All right. Yeah, I was uh, an observant, an observer this week during VBS and all the chaos that was going on around here. It was a lot of energy and activity, and uh, yeah, it was fun. Uh, I will say this, I think Howard drew the short stick out of all this because we've got one elder in Guatemala, we've got one elder in Spain, we've got another elder in Hawaii. So that's three of our four elders are pretty cool places, right? And Howard's in College Station. <laughs> so, but no, my name is, for those, of you, for those of you who are busy, my name is David Hutton. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm not an elder, although I'm older than all the elders. And uh, I enjoy serving this church so much, and uh, we... Just would love to have you come back and join us again and again to see what we're all about. Our senior pastor, he'll be back next week. I believe it's next Sunday. He'll be back in his usual place here preaching away. So, But this week, during the summer, we go through the book of Psalms. We just preach Psalms. And he said, hey, pick a Psalm you like and just preach it. And so last summer, we kind of did this. And uh, I, have, I, I have a list of about five Psalms I really like. Last, last year I preached, if you'll remember, Psalm 1. That's like one of my favorite ones, of course. It's, you know, really, really, a, uh, all of them are good, but that's like one of my favorite ones. But this one is probably, it's definitely in the top five, if not the top two. Uh, Psalm 67. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, if you're one who reads your Bibles, or if you want to just turn on your device, if you're one of those folks who look at that, um, but Psalm 67, a lot of people, when they read that psalm, they tend to say, well, that's a missionary psalm. Well, so that's, you know, and, and, and honestly, that's what drew me to it first. When I first read it years and years and years ago, I thought, man, this is like the Great Commission of the Old Testament kind of thing. Um, but as I studied it over the years, I realized, man, it takes you through the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation in this one psalm. And so I hope you can kind of get a glimpse of that as we go through this today. Um, yeah, Philip was telling me today, he says, man, you got a lot of verses you're going to make me work back here, putting all these verses up on the screen. So, but we're going to go through quite a few verses to show you how this, pa this passage in Psalm 67, honestly, it goes from God's covenant to his people to, you know, all the way to the end of the days. And so we're going to, let's just start off reading it. We're going to read the whole thing together, and then we're going to start breaking it down. Psalm 67. God, be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. 
Father, as we go through your word, I pray your spirit would move throughout this place within me that we would hear your word and not the opinions and thoughts and the ramblings of someone who might chase a squirrel. Pray, Father, that we would hear your truth in this day and time and that we would be challenged and encouraged and comforted all at the same time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So this first verse that says, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. Now I'm going to most times when I've sat down and heard people preach through a psalm or something, they'll sometimes they'll skip over that word, Selah. Now, and, and, and it really doesn't carry a whole lot of meaning to the passage itself, except when you talk to people who are musically inclined and theologically inclined at the same time, they will tell you that word basically, it means a pause. And it's almost like it's either if there's singing going on, that they pause. If there's instruments going on, that there's a pause. But it's not just a pause so they can get their breath or something. I mean, honestly, this is one verse in. They're taking a break because they're tired already. So this, th there's a, the pause is here for a reason. And one of the things that they have said is this is more, not just a pause, but a reflective pause. It is that when you read this passage, when you read that first verse, stop for a moment and think about it. And when this was written back in that day, no doubt the people started thinking, Wow, this is familiar. There's something familiar about these words. God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. And if we go back to Numbers chapter 6, Moses is there and Aaron is there. They got the priest there. And God is basically telling Moses to teach Aaron this benediction, this prayer that he prays over the people. And this is what it says in Numbers chapter 6, verse starting in 23, but it goes through 25. It says, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus, shall bless the, thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. These passages are not just, oh, I hope you, are, I hope, you know, God is blessing you and God is being gracious to you and all that. When it says that he lifts up his face and shines upon you or in the numbers there, lift up his countenance on you, it's almost as if, think about this, some of you fathers who have, you know, walked in and seen that new, new baby born and all that, and you walk over, you don't walk over there looking at it going, huh, what is that? You don't do that. You're, 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 you're full of joy and happiness. I don't care if it's a boy or a girl. Your face is shining as you look at this, when, you're, when your child walks across the stage in graduation, your face is shining. When they win an award, they accomplish something, or, or just the fact that that is my boy. He mowed the grass. My face is shining. He took out the garbage. My face is shining. It's that, it's, 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 
not just about something that's distant. It is about a relationship that God has with his people. And then he was talking about how he wants to bless them. He wants to keep them. He wants his face to shine upon them, lift up his countenance to them and give them peace. That's just not something he's doing at a distance and saying, okay, here it is and just throwing a net out there. He is among his people. He's with them. And no doubt the psalmist here, when, he said, when, he's, when he's writing these words down and he says, pause, he's saying, think about that. Reflect on that. Let that sink in deeply. Let's kind of, you know, it's almost like, it's, you know, what do you like? Microwave something or slow cook something? You know, if, if, I mean, I guess if you're in a hurry, you microwave something. But if you really want the flavors, if you really want, man, you'll slow cook it for, like, barbecue is not on a grill, right? It is like slow cooking for 12 hours in a, you know, in a, it, it is like, you just, that's, it's, it's simmering. It is, you know, it takes a while. And he's just saying, okay, let's pause and think about God's goodness, how he's been gracious to us. How he has blessed us. How he has been with us. And then he goes on. In that second verse, he starts off the first half of that verse. He says, that your way may be known on the earth. You know, if we look back at Genesis chapter 12, again, we're going back to God's covenant we look back at Genesis chapter 12 and we start reading that. Let me just get my stuff together here. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives, from your father's house to the land which I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and so shall so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse you and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed from the very beginning he's saying think about this I'm blessing you I'm being gracious to you I am with you why so that you can be a blessing to the nations. So that you can show the nations, look what our God has done for us. Look what our God has done in us. And we are hopefully compelled to be more intentionally involved instead of just kind of waiting for God to make stuff happen here. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. That's an intentional act. I can't be a blessing to others sitting around on my lazy boy waiting for God to do whatever it is God wants to do in this world. I have to be intentionally involved as his church. We have to be intentionally involved from our families. Listen, it starts right there with that. If we're not discipling our kids, 
if we're not encouraging and sharpening our spouses, we are no good to anyone else around us. We can't put on the, oh, I'm going to put on my missionary face and go do this out here and when I get home be someone different. It doesn't work that way. He, he blesses us. He, he is gracious to us so that we can be a blessing to others. The first thing I want is, is in this passage here is God's covenant with his people. He's gracious and he blesses us because he wants us to be a blessing to others. He wants us to have his heart for the nations. We're going to see that here in these next few verses. Let's look at verses 2 and 3. That your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all the nations. Let your peoples praise you, O God. Let your peoples praise you. God's heart has always been for the nations. As far back as we just read where he's talking about let the peoples of this earth be blessed. He's starting right then with, with, with Abraham in the very beginning talking about being a blessing. I'm, I'm calling you away from where, you, where your, your family, your country, your people, whatever. And I'm calling you away from that. I'm going to plant you in a different place. And then I'm going to show. This ain't your family doing this for you. This is me doing this for you. This is not your history. This is not your inheritance. This is not anything that whatever your past has. This is me doing this for you so that everyone around you can see you. And how many times do we see in Old Testament history where nations came and looked and said, man, what is up with these people? Not only are they multiplying, but man, where did they get all this blessing from? And how did God sometimes just destroy the enemies without Israel raising a finger? But as soon as they started disobeying God, as soon as they started not being concerned about being a blessing to others, realizing it was God's blessing to us and his graciousness to us, started doing things on their own, doing their own thing. What did he do? Man, they were enslaved. They were held in captivity. They were, there was all kind of things that were going on with Israel. They, they, they suffered the consequences of their decisions by being disobedient to God. In those moments. But God has always had a heart for the nations. We see it all throughout the scriptures. And I, want, I especially want us to look at one passage where Solomon is dedicating the temple. Okay, In 1 Kings chapter 8, he's dedicating the temple. He starts off there in verse 57. He says, may the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. You see it's kind of a... a kind of a crossover to what he said earlier about lifting his face, being gracious, being a blessing and all that. May he not leave us or forsake us that he may incline our hearts to himself to walk in his ways to keep his commandments and his statutes and his ordinance which he commanded our fathers. And may these words of mine with which I have made supplication before the Lord be near to the Lord, our God, day and night, that he may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people of Israel as each day requires. What is the cause of his people and the cause of his servant, Israel and all that as each day requires? Look, so that, verse 60, 
all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, that there is no one else. He wants to be a blessing so that we can bless others and we have to be intentional. Did you hear what he said there? That we might keep, keep his ways, that we might keep his word, that we might keep his ordinance, that we might keep his whatever those things, that we might do those things. Not, God, do what you're going to do. We're going to sit over here and roast hot dogs over by the fire, but God, you do what you want to do. That's not the way it works. Now, God can't do that. And there have been times in the past when he has done things, even when the people were disobedient. But his heart's desire is for the nations through his church, through his people. If we go into the New Testament, you see, even in Matthew, I mean, in Acts 1, he talks about how he wants us to wait on the power of the Holy Spirit. He talked about the, in Pentecost, you shall wait on the Holy Spirit. He will give you power, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest parts of the world to the nations. The Great Commission, before he actually left, he talked about go, make disciples to all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. And, and again, lo, I am with you always. He doesn't want to just send us out on our own. He is going to be with us as we walk in His ways, as we keep His word, as we honor Him in everything that we think and say and do. He will be with us. And we can be a blessing to others. Now I do want to point out one thing in that last verse that we just saw. And this is not something I'm going to stand up here and say this is exactly what this verse is saying. That's not what I'm doing at all here. But it says to go and make disciples of all nations. No, it doesn't say go and make as many disciples as you can. It doesn't say go and make disciples in your neck of the woods. Now, we are supposed to do that. We are supposed to be sharing the gospel, engaging people, our family, our neighbors, our co-workers, ever, absolutely. But church where the church is failing across the board is to the nations where the gospel is not. And you've heard this before, I know. I, I, I think Callie talked about it a little bit when she gave a little testimony at the missions. If you were here at the missions conference, she gave a little testimony. But if you weren't, you're going to hear it again. There's this thing that's called the great imbalance. As far as money that is collected for missionaries and mission work around the world, there are billions of dollars raised for mission work around the world. 99% of that goes to places where access to the gospel is already there. I'm not talking about the United States. I mean, you, around here, you, you got television programming, radio programming, you got churches on every corner just about. You might have to drive a little way in some places around the country to get to a church or whatever. And, and, and to find a gospel preaching church, an evangelical church, might be a little more difficult. But it, the gospel is available. 
And there are places in Latin America and South America and even throughout Africa and Europe where the gospel is available. But there's places where 3.2 billion unreached people live that do not have access to the gospel. 1% of our mission resources, as far as money, goes to those people, to that work. And I don't know about you, but that just does not seem right to me. It just does not seem right to me. It, it hurts me when to think, especially in some of the places that we have been, we have lived, and we have served, where we were in those places where if you look on the map, if you go to the Joshua Project and you look at their map where unenreached people and reached people and all that, you look at that map, you'll see a red paintbrush go right across North Africa, you go right across the Middle East, go right across South Asia, into Asia and Southeast Asia. You'll see but man, we just keep sending money to places where the gospel already is. We keep send- As far as people go, there are 400,000 missionaries all over the world, give or take. Okay, I'm not going to say there's exactly 400,000. Give or take. There's about 12,000 of those, 3% of those that are in those hard places. 3%. You know, that is just something that as a church we need to sit down and pray about and kind of get our heads around. What are we going to do? Are we going to keep doing the same things we've always done? Are we going to do some things a little bit differently? And how is that going to look in the years ahead as far as engaging those people that have no access to the gospel whatsoever? I mean, the challenge is huge and there's, there's, there's no way that living hope by itself can kind of take on that gigantic thing by itself but fortunately there are churches out there that are seeing the same thing and are setting down and rethinking how they do missions and how they can take their time and their talents and their resources their funding their treasures whatever those things might be to those parts of the world We'll talk about that in a little bit. But what I want us to see is that even Paul, even Paul, he saw, even in his day and time, I want us to look at what Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. He said, how then, we know, it's a familiar verse most of us know, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Someone proclaiming the gospel to them. How, will, how are they able to respond if no one's telling them? A couple of chapters over. Verse 5, chapter 15, verse 20. He's always wanted to go to Rome. I mean, if you read chapter 1... He says, man, my heart's desire is to come to you to be able to preach the gospel. But he knows, he knows there's a church there in Rome already. He actually spends a lot of time in chapter 16 t- greeting everybody. He talks about the church that is meeting and their house. And he's greeting all of these various people in there. But here he's, 
He says this in, verse, in chapter 15, verse 20, And thus I aspire to preach the gospel not where Christ has already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall be or shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. Paul has taken it upon himself to say, when he did his first missionary journey, if, if we know, you know, he kind of went around a certain place in the second missionary journey, he might have backtracked a little bit, but extended further into Asia, and then, you know, then all of a sudden he ends up over and, you know, going into Greece and all those parts, and, and then he starts talking to them about, like he says here in a few verses later, or verse 23, but now with no further place for me in those regions... And since I have had for many years a longing to come to you, whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing. Because he knows that in Spain, he needs to get there to take the gospel. And he's thinking, you know what? I might be able to stop over in Rome as I'm on my way to Spain so I can tell them about Jesus. So Paul, is not only is he teaching it, but he's modeling it for us in that we need to look out there and see where is the unreached. When I use the term unreached, what I'm really saying is they don't have access to this. It's, there's, there's, no, there's little to no missionary work there. There's no, in many places, there is no Bible in their language. In, in a lot of those places, there is no internet so that they can at least get online and try to find something out there in their language maybe that someone is broadcasting and finding it on the internet. It's just not there. They have so many things piled against them and sometimes the government is totally opposed to anyone coming in and doing that. And that includes the internet signal. And they will shut that thing down in a heartbeat. I've seen it in a couple places that, where they've just kind of shut it down. Here's what I would like for you to do. Just, you know, this is not meant to manipulate or anything. But let's just say that you in this room right now represent the population of the earth. Okay? This side over, you represent those who are reached. This side over, because usually there's more people over here than there are over here because people come in the door this way when they come in the front door. This side over here are unreached. Now, for those of us over here, look over and see those faces. And I want you to see people groups around the world that as much as you have a heart for those people, just put a name. Just look at people in, in your mind. Call out their names. They're friends of yours. God has the same heart for the nations. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? That's pretty heavy. But God does. His heart for the nations. There's nothing more important for him to get his church to join him in pursuing bringing Christ's name and what he did to all the peoples on the planet. I'll just, I'll, I'll just throw out one thing just to let you know what might happen. Um, 
I'm not going to be saying names. We've got friends that are, for those of you who don't know these folks, that's okay. You can, we'll, we'll, you, hopefully you'll find out later. Uh, I'm not going to mention their names because we're live streaming, but we've got friends in Southeast Asia, right? Those of you who know them, you know, you know who I'm talking about. We've got friends in Southeast Asia, and the part that they're in right now, the little area that they actually live in, he'll tell you in a heartbeat. He says, man, you know, we're, we're fairly Christian right where we are in our community. That doesn't mean everybody is. There's still work to do there and all that. We're fairly Christian, but what he does is he, he mobilizes, he trains, he sends out nationals to go to places where the gospel is not present. The problem there is right now he has the budget for those types of things to be able to help send those people out. What would it be like if we came along, our partner over there, and said, hey, we'd be willing to help fund one of those folks, two of those folks, so that they don't have to keep coming back and raising money and coming back and getting away from the work. Because if, if you're keeping up with what they're writing in their newsletters and stuff, man, they're just now kind of get, they're, they're getting their foot in the door. They're, they're making way. There's people coming to Christ, and there's people getting baptized in places where for decades no one has seen fruit. Are we willing... And and let me just give you an idea of what that might look like. Uh, Church, you guys did a great job at help raising money to help send this team that's going to the Czech Republic this next week, right? Did a great job at that. That money that you poured in to do that, and I don't don't know the exact amount, and I'm not going to mention it, but the money that you used to support that could probably, if it's the same kind of idea as it is in South Asia, could probably support three nationals for a whole year doing that work whereas you and me can't get on a plane and go over there and then get on a boat and go to those islands without being a distraction and being followed and watched and eventually being kicked off if we start sharing the gospel with anybody think about that we can be a he has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others I just want you to pray about that. That's not a decision that has been made or anything. That's just a thought I've thrown out there in staff meetings and stuff like that as to, is this the thing? And, and this guy, the, our, our friend out there, he and I have had conversations, and he's just going, man, if that, that, would, sh- that would help free up a lot, of, a lot of time, not only for them, but for him. So, man, let's just pray about Let's pray that we're going to be so sensitive to what God wants us to do that we don't start saying, but we used to go to wherever country all the It might be that we don't go to those countries anymore. Because, again, we want to make a dent in sending our resources and our people and all that to the hard places. We want to change that dynamic Now, all of this that I've just been talking about, God's covenant with his people, his great commission for his people, man, it wraps up into this, the the next heading. There's like this glorious culmination by his people. And when I say this, I'm not saying it's his people who puts God on the throne. God's on his throne. Don't you hear me say by this heading right there that it's it's us who put God there. No, he's there. It's kind of like when people say, oh, I... I exalt thee. It ain't because he, you're exalting him any higher. He's as high as he can get. When we say I exalt thee, we're doing this. We're, getting, we're placing ourselves lower. 
in the rightful place that we belong. Listen, let's don't think so highly of ourselves that we think we can exalt God. We can sing praises and we can't exalt Him in our words and all that, but it's more like what, how, what, what are we recognizing ourselves and how we're placing ourselves before Him. Then, so we're not placing Him on the throne, but if you look at Revelation 7, 9, Revelation 7, 9. And after these things I look and behold a great multitude with which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands and they were crying out with a loud voice salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This, this, this section right here that we're just looking at in, in Psalm 67, it says, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. It's a picture of every tribe and every nation and every language bowing down before the Father in worship and where He deserves and where we deserve. Recognizing that we, <laughs> oh, we are so blessed, friends. We don't deserve it. But because of his great love for us, we get to experience his grace and his mercy and his blessing. Not so that we can just be like a sponge and hold on to it, but so that we can turn around and be gracious and merciful and be a blessing to others. And I'm just going to say this just as a kind of a... I've been in churches to where some people have problems with some people around the world. If you're one of those folks, you got problems with eternity. If you think Muslims don't... I've actually had pastors come to me, Muslims don't deserve to hear about Jesus. I'm sorry, I, I don't, I'm just not going to even choose to disagree. We're going to have to agree to disagree on that one. I'm going to vehemently disagree with you on that one. I've been in churches in South Carolina where they opened up their gymnasium to have lunchtime basketball for businessmen and stuff. And then the deacons made them shut it down because there were black guys who wanted to come in and play basketball during lunch. And that youth pastor was fighting for what God wanted in that church and he ended up leaving because it was not a place where the nations were welcomed if you got problems with any people group around this world or any people or whatever you need to sit down and rethink what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 when he says you will be my witnesses he didn't say I kind of want you to be he does a command you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and the remotest parts of the world and that idea about Samaria is not just geographical because Israel did not like Samaria they would travel a whole lot further around just so they didn't have to go through Samaria and my question is, if you've got a Samaria, you need to deal with that. Because eternity 
all tribes, all peoples, all nations, all languages. And when this happens, here, here, here's, here's what I love about this. The covenant relationship will be completed and the mission will be no more. When Revelation 7, 9 happens, that covenant, that Genesis 12, 1, where, that's going to be completed. And we're going to be face to face more than we think we are now. And the mission will be over. And so it is something for us to look forward to. Whenever we go through difficult times, I know that whenever one of the things that's helped me over the years when I've gone through difficult times is this verse in Romans 8.18 always comes up and says, The sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. Hold on to that verse when you're going through a hard time because I promise you those hard times, yes, there, there can be some hard times, all right? I'm not belittling anything but compared to what we got coming man this is going to be like a hangnail and so but don't hear me say I don't care I want to pray for you I want to help you through difficult times I want to be there for you but man let's own the goodness of God let's hang on let's hug let's pursue it let's chase it let's grab onto it let's tell other people about it let's live like life like it is real not a wishful thinking verse 6 the earth has yielded its produce God our God blesses us now some folks might look at that and say the earth has yielded its produce as if it's talking about a crop somewhere but in light of all the things we just read, is that, so, is that what that sounds like? No. And, you know, Jesus kind of corrected the disciples at one time when uh, they were, when they were uh, in John chapter 4, verse 35. He says, Do you not say that there are four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are already white. For harvest. And he says, already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. In Luke chapter 10, verse 2, he's sending them out two by two, and he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the, work, the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This idea of being fruitful is something that Jesus talked about not only in John 4, but he said even when he's sitting down with the disciples right before he goes to the cross in John 15, 8, he says, my father is glorified in this that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So this idea of having a harvest, of being fruitful and all that, it's an expectation and this fruit can be the fruit of the spirit, what God does in us. It, it can be the fruit of obedience what, as we obey God, what God does through us as we step out in faith and do what God wants us to do. But it's also the fruit of conversion. We saw it right there when Jesus was talking in John 4, right? 
the fruit of conversion. So there's, it's, so, and he says there's those who will sow and those who will reap. And so I, used, I usually tell people, I says, man, listen, let's don't get hung up on how many people we haven't won to Christ. I always tell people, man, count it, count it as a, a win if you were able to share Christ with anyone. Because, listen, you and I, we ain't God, and we can't save them. And we can't, there ain't nobody in this room that can sit around and debate someone to heaven. There ain't no one in this room, I don't care how smart you are, that can outsmart anybody else to come to Jesus or anything like that. All right, and it just ain't going to happen. So it's a win if we get out there and just tell people about Jesus. That's the win. That's all he's called us to do. He ain't called us to, oh, you go out and save them. That's his work. And so, man, let's just, let's own our responsibility. Trust him and his, what he said he's going to do. And let's get out there and do it. Let's live our lives. Let's, let's don't live a hypocritical life where we go out and tell people about Jesus. And, you know, other times we're kind of like, we're ratting on people or we're, you know, we're being ugly to somebody or, you know, whatever it might be. Don't, don't be hypocritical. Remember what he said back in the, back in, in the passage where Solomon was, you know, praying his prayer and then telling everybody, submit to the ordinances, submit to the commandments, submit to the relationship that we have with him. That's just not here on Sunday mornings. That's 24-7, all day, all week, all year long. And people will see a difference in us when we start acting like that. This last verse. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Again, John, last week, you, he, there was a passage in there that talked about fearing him. He did a really good job at explaining that when he talked about it. it wasn't necessarily being afraid, but there is a sense of you better recognize that God can, in a moment, can do whatever it is he wants to do to anybody he wants to do it to. All right, so I'm not saying we walk up to him and say, hey, old buddy, old pal, old friend of mine. We don't go being so casual with him. We bring him down to our level. So the fear is not just walking around being so deathly afraid of what I might say and what I might, but it's a reverence or awe. He said that last week, and he's absolutely correct. It's a reverence and awe, a respect that he, God, deserves. And so he's saying here, when he's talking about fearing him, this is like that all the ends of the earth may respect him, may be in awe of him. And I just go back to what we did earlier. How can they respect him or be in awe of him when they've never heard about him? And so friends, I kind of want to wrap this up this morning. I don't know what God might be saying to you as we worked our way through this passage. But, but here's some thoughts, okay? First, it begins in our own backyard. Matter of fact, it begins right here in this room. I imagine there might be some, someone, some people in this room that does not have that saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me just, let me just, let me just share this with you, if, you, if you're that person. I'm not one, I, don't, I don't need to see your hand. I don't, you don't need to come talk to me or anything like that unless you just want to. 
I'm not trying to manipulate you or anything. I want to clearly communicate the gospel to you. This world is messed up, and that's not God's intention. God's intention when he created everything was that man and creation and God and everything would be in harmony, walking in relationship with each other. Man decided they wanted to do it their way. And man broke the relationship with God. We call that sin, when man wants to do what they want to do apart from what God wants them to do. And throughout the centuries, all the things that we see going on around us, this brokenness we see in this world, it's because of the sin that has come between man and God. But God demonstrated his love to us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he says that all we have to do is confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That means make him Lord of my life. He's master of my life. He, Jesus wears the crown. He sits on the throne of my heart. And I submit to him. I become a follower of Jesus. That's what that means. That you confess him as Lord of your life. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. That's what it is. It's no magic prayer. You might have heard that at some point. There's no magic prayer somewhere. There's no juice you need to drink. There's no, there's no, these, what we did earlier, with the, that doesn't save you. Baptism we're going to have here in a couple of weeks, that ain't going to save you. But you sitting there in the quietness of your heart as you listen to what God is saying to you, if you realize what I have said about the sin and separation for God and brokenness and how you don't experience the grace and hope and mercy that we've been talking about, you can receive Jesus today. And I would challenge you, did any of those folks who stood up earlier, the deacons and their wives, the elder and his wife, staff and their spouses, whoever, I don't care who, come talk to me, I would be more than thrilled to sit down and share more of the gospel with you and lead you to Christ. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. We just need to pray about what is it that God wants us to do in light of this passage, that there were things that we've heard. What is it that God wants us to do when it comes to reaching the nations? I don't have the answer. I have a bunch of things out there. I don't have the answer. But we need to pray about it as a church. So be praying about that. And the third thing is a little more scary for some of you young folks, you high schoolers, you college-age folks, you 20s and 30-somethings out there. In this day and time, in this day and time, man, you, if you can work remotely, think of the places you could go and serve God and take the gospel to places that have never heard. Hey, that's, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not saying I, I, you know, I'm not saying you got to do it because I said it, because you can actually be a hindrance out there too, as much as you can be a help. But I'm just saying, pray about it. And for you young men, let me just throw this at you. I'm, I'm about to lay heavy on you guys. The IMB has a program called Journeyman, and I have been fascinated for decades to see that there are usually three times more women going to those things than men. And I think I have figured out why. 
because you're a little bit too busy playing on those games. You're a little bit too busy doing what you want to do. You got a car in mind. You're pursuing some kind of job out there. And listen, it's not bad to pursue a job if, that's, if you're going to stay here. But you at least better be open to what God might want you to do in the nations. I've seen, too, I've seen it too much. And man, we, we've worked with a lot of these young single women around the world. They have done. We stick, stay in touch with them to this day. They have done awesome. They, were, they served awesomely. Guys, man, don't let this world keep you grounded in the comforts of the United States of America. Step up and at least open your hearts up to listen to what God wants you to do. And if he wants you to do that, you come talk to me. If you think he might want you to, you come talk to me. And believe me, don't come to me if you think just because, oh, well, he said it, i got to go talk to him. I don't want, I don't want you in my office. If you're just going to come, waste my time. <laughs> All right? But I'm serious. There's people in here that I believe. God's calling to the nation somewhere. And I don't want you to wait 10, 20, 30 years from now and look back with regret. Because I've met too many of those people in my life. And so we're going to spend some time praying. Whatever it is that God is leading you, just respond to God. As the praise team comes up, let's pray.